Hello, and welcome to episode two of Play, Pause, Turn. Uh, just as a reminder, in this podcast, we discuss all things to do with TV, films, games, and literature. And we also give our thoughts on any media we've been enjoying, old or new, and we comment on anything topical. So, our hosts today are myself, John, and I've got Alex, and I've got Mark. Now, I'm going to introduce you to both of them. We've, we've, we've heard of Alex before, so we'll go to Mark first today, and I've got a question for both of you. Just okay. to get us going on our icebreaker question. Mark, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And this is going to be a clue to what we're talking about today as well. Mm, I mean, the obvious one is flight, because that would be the best thing ever. So I would go flight, but I think the most interesting one is I'd like a bit of a Doctor Strange thing, and I had the, I had the power for everyone to tell the truth. So if someone's talking to me, I've got the power to make them say uh, what they're actually thinking. Like, so the ability to tell the truth. Oh, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a mix, bit of a mixed blessing, that is it, surely? Yeah, exactly. That's why it's interesting. But I do like flight is definitely uh, the best. But can the other you, one, I think, would be interesting. Yeah. Couldn't you get a lasso for that? I was just thinking that. <laughs> you maybe could get a lasso or, or a really big elastic band. I was also thinking, Mark, um, both Alex and I, I don't know if you've seen it yet, we've both seen Chaos Walking. Oh, um, no, I've not seen it yet, no. I really enjoyed it, actually. I mean, I, I can see why it's, it's it's kind of a mid-budget film in terms of its appeal. But but the, the main, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but what I'm saying is I'm not sure it is a good idea to know the truth through everybody inside their heads. That's all I'm saying. Mm. I would have said invisibility, but after seeing The Boys, uh, the first series of The Boys, <laughs> um, <laughs> like... <laughs> Maybe not anymore. It's a, bit, it's, it, it's a bit creepy. So I was uh, going to say, don't 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 you? Doesn't anyone who wishes to be the Invisible Man? I mean, just a peeping Tom generally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, Hollow Man. That's, that's the Kevin Bacon one, wasn't it? That yeah. was right. Yeah, great film. Uh, how about you, Alex? So I've got an interesting one. I'd quite like to be immortal, um, like Interview with a Vampire Immortal, where I like like live a long long period of time. Um, and yeah, my wife was a bit confused by that because she's like, "Why would you want to do that?" And I was like, "But the thing is, I was just thinking, look, like imagine a pension that you didn't have to worry about, like whether you've got enough time to save up a decent amount because you've got like like centuries, and so do you know what? You could put in uh, a tenner every year for uh, two two centuries, you'll be loaded like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just had it in, in my mind." Yeah, but being um, immortal on your own must be quite horrible, I would have thought, though. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I, I said this without doing a lot of thought. Um, I mean, if he's on his own, there can only the be one, idea. can't there? If he's, if he's on his own, there can only be one, surely. And then you spend your whole yes. time worrying about someone coming around and cutting your head off, surely. Yeah. Yes. True. I mean, so long, as, so long as they looked after my body, I, don't, I wouldn't mind. I can, see what, I can see what you mean about, about being able to sort of see how history unfolds and mm. go through life, not you're, worrying too much about like looking after yourself, just seeing the world go past you. Yeah. Your concerns would just be totally different because, you know, you wouldn't be stressing about um, mortal life as much, but oh yeah, you would, but it would, it would just be different. So I don't know. It was a weird one. I just thought about it and thought, Oh, um, that would be interesting. I'd like that. See, I personally, I from a very young age, when I was quite young, I read these books that I that I actually understood to be. I was a bit even then. I was I missed missed the time, but they were based on an old seventies TV series called The Tomorrow People, 
Oh, um, further that. Yeah. Now I read all the books first, and then I and then I bought the the TV series on DVD. And goodness me, it's low budget and proper. I mean, it makes <laughs> it makes it makes early Doctor Who look like sort of um, like Marvel films, really, in terms of the special effects. But <laughs> the stories are really good, and it's about a bunch of kids that um, when they get go through puberty, they discover they can teleport, cool. and they become these sort of um, they become like protectors of Earth. Um, was that an Australian series, John? No, it was, I, think, I think it was British. It was British. Was so I, I, yeah, see, I would quite like to be able to teleport, mainly because um, I think it would get past the problem of COVID vaccine passports straight away. <laughs> um, because you don't have to worry about uh, you, you can just travel anywhere in the world instantly. I'd love that. I also have, um, and this is true, I actually have a very bad level of claustrophobia. Um, and so I think knowing I could teleport anywhere would get rid of that claustrophobia straight away as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I'd go the looper way where I'd end up, um, not looper, jumper, you know, the jumper. film with Hayden, yeah. oh, yeah. Hayden Christensen. Yeah, Hayden Christensen, yeah. Actually, actually, another fairly underrated, uh, funny, fun, schlocky film, really. But um, I don't think I'd go down the route of nicking money from banks, but I think, I think it'd be a really interesting skill to have teleporting, so that'd be my superpower. Would you want to do it like Nightcrawler uh, from the X-Men where he can only teleport to where he can see? I think you'd have to, wouldn't you? Well, like, because I'm, I'm pretty sure in Jumper they can just go wherever they want, can't he? He can just he jump needs from... A picture once he's oh, got... he needs yeah, a picture. He needs a picture. Yeah. He's got a wall of them in his, in his flat, hasn't he? Yeah. That's it. I like I the think... idea of, of doing the bath thing in Nightcrawler. Like, I like it in blue as well when it goes. Yeah, like, well, that, I quite like the that. effect was very good in the films, wasn't it? That sort yeah. of cloudy, sandy, cloudy effect. Well, there we go. That, that, that's a pretty good little spread of showing our different personalities there, folks, which is really good. Yes. Now, we are gonna, we're going to move on to the main part of our podcast. And today, we, um, the reason we talked about superpowers is because, um, as I'm sure you have, you listen, dear listeners, we have finished uh, watching the TV series on Disney+, Plus, which is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and we thought we'd um, give our thoughts and feelings on the series now that it's finished. As always, we're not going to give a blow by blow account of every scene, but we do have some points here we'd like to go through just to um, pick apart some of the finer details. Um, so, before we go into spoilers, and uh, we'll give you a warning for that, what were everyone's general feelings about the show? Alex? Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. It took a little while to get into, I think, the first episode particularly. Um, but I did enjoy it, and um, I think the more I watched of it, the more I I I kind of got got into into it and, and enjoyed it. So I think it was it gave a useful amount of depth between the two main characters, um, and I think that that's something that we missed a bit for them. So I, I kind of really enjoyed being able to go into a little bit more detail, where um, which we didn't have before. So how about you, Mark? I was actually the reverse to Alex, so uh, I did enjoy it. I actually thought it started really well. Uh, I thought it started strong, and then as it went on, it struggled more and more. Um, so I think the first three episodes are really great, and then for me, it kind of goes down quite quickly. Although there are still some great, uh, some great moments, and we'll talk about that. You know, so there's some nice pieces and and scenes in the remaining episodes, but. It was a bit of a letdown for me, if I'm being honest. I would, say, I would say I would say I'm leaning more towards Mark here with my feelings for this. I did listen. I did enjoy it. I, I, I found it. I found it. It was it was a series I was looking forward to seeing. 
I don't think it for me, and here was here was the kind of the acid test really was, I didn't see it on the night it's released every week. So if I missed it for whatever reasons, and it was, um, it was a Friday night it was released over yeah. here in the UK. Mm. Um, some nights it I wouldn't be until Sunday where I watched it because I wasn't that stoked to watch it straight away. Whereas when it came to WandaVision uh, and another TV series that I'd like to talk about at some point in our podcast, which is For All Mankind, I had to watch those on the night they were released. And I think that's just quite a lot. I did enjoy it. And I, and I, and I as, as with you both, I did enjoy um, exploring more of the Bucky-Sam relationship, which we'll talk about later on. Um, and I think the points that will rip apart later on as well towards the end of the series are what I think I kind of I kind of felt it's let down a little bit towards the end as well but we'll, we'll go into that mm-hmm. a little bit later on um, so let's just uh, warn people now we're going to spoil this obviously if you haven't watched all six episodes well, why are you listening to this but if you have we're going <laughs> to we're going to spoil this for the, for, so I, I go through it a bit but um, let's let's talk about um, the good stuff first of all so uh, in terms of any sort of standout scenes or moments that you thought were really good, and I'll start. I'll start with Mark this time. What what was your what were your favourite parts to this? And we could, for instance, do, uh, pick apart Bucky and Sam to begin mm. with. But what, what did you like most of all, Mark? So the good bits. The good bits. I thought the opening episode, the first scene when he's uh, doing the rescue of the um, of the army pilot, is a fantastic set piece and was a great way to start the show i think that's one of the best ones that they've done for a long time so i love that uh that was really great um other standouts for me zemo was great but you know you're gonna get that because daniel Brawl was just so great and he was so good in civil war and i think white russell is an absolute revelation as walker um and u.s agent stroke uh new cap so I think that's a massively, massively difficult role to do. And I thought he did it brilliantly. And, and we'll, again, we'll go into that. For me, he was the best thing in the show. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Um, other things that I liked is, as Alex said, uh, I alluded to earlier on, it, it it did allow for Sam and Bucky to breathe as well. So they give him more time, you know, with Bucky, you know, here we go to see the psychiatrist and they, you, you get that great, uh, seeing them two, um, both with her in the second episode, which is great as well. Um, it gives them more time to develop as characters, so you don't always have that amount of time in the films, particularly like in in things like in uh, Infinity War and Civil War. You know, they don't really have the time to get into them. So I did like that, um, and it gave them all a bit more of uh, a, a bit more time to develop, a bit more time to breathe. I did like that. Anthony Mackie is always brilliant. Uh, I love. I love him. I'll watch anything that he's in. I think he's fantastic, and and I enjoy. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Now who plays Bucky? Uh, Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like in them two, I got great chemistry. I liked it in like I thought the start it was like a lethal weapon sort of aspect they were going for. You know, like don't really like each other, but they're best mates sort of thing. So there's a lot there to like, um, and we'll get into more. But uh, yeah, those for me are generally the highlights. How about you, Alex? Um, oh, it's a good question. So, yeah, I mean, I I personally loved the dynamic between uh, Bucky and Sam a lot. Um, for for me, that that kept that held it together. I think if, if that wasn't there, I think it wouldn't. Obviously, it's in the title, so it's fairly obvious. But I think if you didn't, if that wasn't 
entertaining if there wasn't a tension between them. If there was, you know, I don't think it would have worked. Um, it's not a buddy cop kind of thing. It's literally, you know, they've got they've got a really complicated history, and you know, they just they happen to be in the same line of business essentially. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I I really like that, and they've both got history that they're trying to deal with. Um, particularly Bucky, um, I, I loved his his storyline and the book he was working through. Um, and honestly, I think that kind of gave him depth that that we we hadn't we'd seen in previous uh, films, but we hadn't had taken the time for it. And I think that was the thing that I enjoyed because with all these um, streaming things you know it's, it's going to take you off on on a strand rather than necessarily being holding up on its own otherwise it'd be its own movie so i feel like this was a exploration of that um i really enjoyed um that they kind of widened the world slightly with madripoor um mm. because that's something that we hadn't seen before um and visually i really enjoyed that um and and i think it, it opens sort of some some doors on t- onto things that weren't there before um well there were there were some x-men references where there's a the, the bar yeah so yeah, the bars from x-men yeah. yeah i mean i just i loved and, that oh God, it is it's like and what i liked particularly was as you went through the episodes you'd see little nods to to certain things so they you could tell that they 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 put attention into what they were doing they weren't just focusing on on the plot and saying yeah you don't need to know anything else they had gone to that level of detail yeah marvel are very marvel are very good at world building aren't they i mean that's yeah. very obvious i mean one thing one thing you've got to remember with these series is always at hold at the back of your mind is they're always setting up they're all whatever you watch with one division yeah they're setting up their next film and their next series so right. you've got to, i think um you've got to be aware going into these series that you're never going to get closure on everything because they're always going to want to keep going. And Marvel, so I listened to a few interviews with some of the actors and White Russell was talking about how he was auditioned uh, for his role as uh, John Walker. Uh, and when he auditioned, he, um, they didn't, obviously they didn't initially tell him who he was going to be. They gave him a, and Marvel do this, they'll, they'll write a script that's not part of the series as a test audition. Um, and when he did that and they were very pleased with him, they started to kind of drip feed him his role um, and he was like, oh, "You want me to be Captain America? Surely that's already been done." And and so, uh, towards the end of the show, <clears throat> everybody was thinking that uh, Wyatt knew what was going to happen next, but he has no idea because Marvel tend to not plan too far ahead. Um, although obviously you can see well, that in all shows that there is a plan, there's a core plan. Yeah, but I think they ha- they're they're very careful. They they do a very much a look look what happens. Look! Look what the reaction is, and if it's popular, we're going to keep going with it. And I think that's very, um, in terms of a business, that's a very clever way of doing things. You're, you're, it's like a DJ playing music. You're, you're looking at your audience's mood to see how you move on. And I think that's really interesting. So, you know, um, I agree with both of you about the dynamic between the two, the two gents, um, Bucky and Sam. Um, I really enjoyed the way they started off at each other's throats, quite catty, and it's little. There were little. Um, nods to the films about where they were sitting in the car and things but then mm. you can see that relationship soften uh, and obviously uh, because they were working under very dangerous circumstances they kind of bonded together and it was lovely towards the end really nice especially in episode five i think it was when or maybe six when sam and, and bucky were discussing 
as you said before, Bucky's his 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 list in his book yeah. of all the people he killed whilst being mind controlled, and how honest Sam was with him about what he has to do. You have to not avenge; you have to amend. Mm. Um, and I think that well, that was one of my favourite storylines. But uh, I, you know, I also just enjoyed little moments. Uh, for me, actually, ironically, for this series, it was the quieter moments I enjoyed the more. I mean, in episode five I thought was my favourite because of the way it dealt with that storyline. We'll talk about that later on. But um, it was really interesting just seeing um, how they dealt with those actually quite topical, quite sensitive issues in a really interesting way. And I was thankful because there'll be a whole bunch of people watching this who didn't tune in to watch uh, and learn about something. They watched for for flying and bashing up. But actually, they will have learned something about this and grown, I think, as an audience. And that's really, really good. You know, mm. for, let's be honest, for what, a lot of people think of as, you know, a superhero series. It could be seen quite a, I don't know, um, superficial. I think they've done a really good job of removing that superficiality from this sort of genre. Mm. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the storylines, this, 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 this is going to be a long one, I think. Um, in terms of what was being told to us narratively throughout the series, what were your feelings on this? Uh, and we'll start with Mark again with this one. That's right. I'll just point out as well, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, the first trailer for Sangshi that's coming out this yeah, year. I have, yeah. yeah. Um, so Madripoor is in that. So there's shots of Madripoor in the Shangxi trailer. So that's a place they're going to go back to in that film. One of the um, biggest concerns that a lot of people gave in terms of feedback to the Madripoor episodes, Mark, was for somewhere set in Asia, there were very few Asians in the actual location. And I think that will probably be addressed <laughs> in Shangxi, the film. But if you, if you look yeah. at it, they go to the bar and the streets... It is diverse, but there's very few actual locals being shown. And it is well, a big problem in, in, in the film industry is, is representation of diverse cultures. And ironically, they had a real good chance here. And I think I think Marvel have taken that on board, obviously. But um, yeah, it's, it's a bit ironic, isn't it, really? Well, the thing about is it. about Metro in the comics is that it's a pirate na- like it's a pirate yeah, state. Yeah, it's a kind of a hub of... Yeah, it's a hub it? of everyone. So, yeah, yeah it's not... Well, because it's, it's basically like... It's a fictional place, but it's based somewhere in Asia. But it doesn't mean that everyone lives there is Asian. But I get what you yeah, mean. No, I, know what I, mean. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, we we, we got a limited um, view of the locations. We yes. didn't go on a we didn't go on a tourist trip of Liverpool. We we went we to a, a CD no. a CD a CD bar or two, didn't we? And, and yeah. a few uh, containers in the docks. <laughs> so I, I know what you mean. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Mark. Do carry do carry on anyway. No, that's all right. No, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, the arcs are sort of pretty obvious as well. You know, I mean. On Sam's, it's his, it's his initial reluctance to take the mantle, but then obviously, like it's foregone conclusion that he was obviously going to take it. Like I guess he was going to take it anyway, you know, because obviously in the comics he becomes Captain America. You know, I think I think you need to view this series though, Mark. You need to view this series as if you've never read the comics. Before. Yes, that is true. Yes, yes. Because Disney or Marvel, Marvel, as you've seen from Wonder Vision, have a tendency mm-hmm. to give their fans more by changing the themes. I think, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good idea. I think you've got to be careful about trying to, uh, li- you know, predict or appreciate from the comics. You've got to treat this as a separate as a separate yeah. product, really. And for Sam, what I found interesting was um, obviously he like he rejects the mantle. Then he sees what it becomes when he's uh, when he's done that, and he's seen not sort of damage, but you know what that shield represents in the wrong hands. And we can go into what uh, what you now uh, uh, Walker does. Um, and obviously, it's a journey from Sam to realizing yes, he should take it as well. I mean. 
what I thought was is that like the, what a lot of films do in this kind of thing where the uh, when the hero realizes he has to step up or has to do something is that they normally as they normally do it by um are like by main events so if they kill like the buddy off like in Top Gun for example. Or there's one event that changes them. The to emotional make them... hooks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's the so they do one thing to make them change and and do it, but they don't do that here, which I think is really important. And I think which is which is much more interesting is that it's all right. It's it's six episodes as well as it's not a film, but it he gradually comes to realise it by what's happened in actions. You know, he does like it's not like his mate dies. For example, and if it's right, I've got to now become Captain America because he died, so I've got to order. I, I do think that scene, that scene was that scene was a tipping point for him, though. Really, yes, yeah, and I think it's the realization there, and then stuff with Azai that we'll get into as well. You know, he sees like that side of what America was, and and some degree it is. So it's not just like one thing that that makes him change and become uh, Cap. It's a gradual evolution of him, and and that's what I enjoyed about his arc. That's good. Alex, did you have any sort of standout themes or um, threads running through the series that you enjoyed? Um, well, I think there were I think there were a few, but I I, I loved the, how uh, uh, topical and relevant it was. Um, there there were a lot. I mean, some of it did feel a little bit like oh they've put that in. You know, it's like this vote and and, and the bombing around that and that kind of thing. I thought. Mm, that's a little bit injected in there because that's well, that's a bit topical. But you've got you've got to be aware that the this was written way before it's been released because obviously this was two yes, years ago. Of course, yeah. yeah. This, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, the order of the series later on in, in the show. But the initial storyline for Cap, for this for, for this series was that the flag smasher or someone was uh, the the big bad had a very dangerous virus. That they were going to release as a yeah. suburb, as a as a blackmail to the to the globally, and obviously with the pandemic coming in, they had to do a big rewrite, a quite a comprehensive rewrite of the series, and that has affected, I think, how how it sits narratively, and we'll talk mm -hmm. about that later on in our concerns with the series. So I think to be fair, they've done quite a good job to to rescue it, but I think we can see elements of this series that were probably filmed that were meant for other things. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Or wouldn't I mean, I... be su surprised if that that scene at the end with the UN was actually uh, near the beginning of the series. If that makes sense. Mm. And I think they've used that footage, not used the footage, but they've used that theme elsewhere because they've got that set up. Mm. So yeah, I think you just got yeah. That it is a different series to how they planned because of current affairs and current events. Yeah. I mean, I mean, can I, I, I think... just? Oh, oh. sorry, it's gone. No, 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 no. Oh, no sorry, you still doing your point? Excuse me. Sorry, gone. Yeah. I mean, I do think I think it held held up quite well. Like you, you can see some things have gone on the cutting floor, and yet it still held holds up as a storyline. Um, so I think I think that was okay. I think it's just, um, I th I think we didn't really appreciate like the the downside of like the the return of everyone, and and I think this does a job of trying to 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 portray that. But it's probably not quite done it well enough, and I think that partly that's to do mm. with the cutting. Because I think mm. if the edit, I think probably the edit was a bit clearer beforehand. Maybe I mean m maybe they had to just rebalance it towards that because that's all they had to work with. But um, 
but yeah it was kind of i mean i i still think it was it was quite quite good i loved um the dynamic between uh sam and his sister sarah i thought that was really good it gave uh, him some real uh, heart which was great um like that scene in the bank where he's trying to get a, a loan for absolutely her, yeah. which again is a real thing that happens i mean you know famous famous black american footballers have done similar things and yeah. They've been they've been rejected, but still been asked for their autograph. I, th- I thought that was very very clever. Yeah, it was see, it I was have... very relevant. Oh, oh god. Well, I had an issue with that. Like, I I appreciate it. it's a commentary maybe on like an everyday life and that, but like from a story narrative point, and everyone argued this when the first episode was released and everything. I don't really understand that scene. I know what it's trying to do. It's trying to I like reflect. Uh, sort of modern day but like the idea that Stark didn't sort everyone out financially before he died doesn't make sense to me and again as John you said about like uh, no fits in the comics and that you know it's commonly accepted that all the Avengers earn six figures from being Avengers yeah and so the idea that Sam's not got a lot of money I understand that I understand why that scene's in there. It's trying to make a commentary on things. So I thought they did it really well when they're arguing in episode two and the police ask Bucky, is this guy bothering you? You know, which is a big sort of commentary yeah. on relationships. Mark, I think, I, think, I think that scene is important because it builds the picture of, on, on a meta level, of so many scales of the injustice of black people in America. Yeah, and I think it was, which it I was totally part get. of the main thread. I think it, they but had to show that. But that doesn't really. But that's not. Yeah, I understand what they're doing with that, and I, again, I accept that it's important. But that's not representative of who Sam is, though, and like any circumstances, you know, like that's just. I, I think that scene was uh, was put in there for politics, not as part of the story. I think. Well, I disagree. Way... I disagree because I think it's. I think it is part of the story because the whole story was talking about. On every level, the government, the government experimenting on black soldiers on, yeah, yeah, on the level sort, yeah. of on the level of Sam being disregarded as Captain America when he gives this. Like they didn't even say, "No, Sam, you should be Captain America. Keep your shield. We'll we'll support you." No, they took his shield, put it in a glass case, and then a day later, or you know, a few days later, brought walked, you know, rolled John Walker out. Yeah. On every single level, what that what it was showing was doesn't matter how how much help you've done to the country. You know, you got out, got out and fought for your country in a war or as a superhero. When you come back, you're you're a you're a commodity that's been thrown away. I think that was really important to show for the series, and I think a lot of people, whether they're black or of any colour or any race, will sympathise with that situation entirely. And I think you, I think it was a really integral, clever core part of the story they were trying to tell. And I think if you're worried about um, Tony's inheritance, I mean, I think. I don't think Marvel are going to go that deep in backstory and worry about it. I think no, they, no. the like, situation is created to make a story and therefore they don't have to explain themselves. I Does think, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's just for me, it it just seemed like I get all of that, what you just said, and absolutely in that. For me, it just, it, it's just like for continuity, it just seemed a bit sloppy to me. I don't know. It's just because it's just like, it, like, he wouldn't be skinned. And I know why I did the scene and everything you just said I agree with totally. But the point, but the fact is is that there's no at no way is he gonna be but, like, but, but the thing not is not have money. In, in but, this story he in this story he is skinned. And, yeah, that, and that's and that's the story. Not, 
And, I, I, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't just wish that it didn't happen because this is valid, no, no, isn't it? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, but like, there's no, yeah. but you know, it, uh, as I, again, it's it's me being a comic nerd versus me the TV, watching the TV. You know, like like none of them are never skinned. <laughs> like, like none of them. It's like Peter Parker has this thing about him being skinny, and then he's not. And look, it changes in the comics all the time, right? One time someone's rich, and then they're not. Like Stark's lost his fortune a million times, right? And the Daredevil started to fight as homeless person. So everything changes. I'm not saying that, but like in this continuity, there is no reason for Sam to need a loan and now I know why they've done that scene I'm just saying that in regards to the story and the character and in that universe that's not something that he would need but I understand why they did it is what I'm just trying to say that's all Alex so um I think for me there's two separate bits so there's there's the storyline of Sarah and Sam doing up the boat um and for me it was Sarah going to the bank to get the loan because you've got to remember that you know even if you've got a famous brother or famous family member she's she's fiercely independent um and you know for her it's more about community than it is about money so she's like what can you do for me um oh i can get i can get you money and it's like no no just but come with me to the bank that's how i saw it mm-hmm. the the piece around um bucky and sam where they get called up by the police is the commentary in my mind yes and yeah. and for me that that's relevant but you know it isn't it's a clear nod um yeah it just doesn't hurt because it kind of reinforces the the, the problems that we have in america and everywhere really but um but but like that didn't detract from the storyline I, th- I think um but sam and sarah's you know tension is because you know Sam should be able to should be able to sort it should be able to just solve yeah. the problem and he can't because, unless he literally does the work like unless he actually spends it time fixing up the boat and actually really doing the graft um and which, that's, which that's also, what's good about it yeah and actually you say that Alex you, you make a point there because that then reflects the message he's trying to impart on Bucky Agreed. you can't just go out there to the people you killed and say hi let's be mates uh, you've got to do the work and you've got to do the hard work, which is take take the blame for what's going on, and uh, and not seek to make yourself feel better. Go and go and amend, make amends with them, and make them feel better. And so Sam learned that from from working on the boat with his sister. And he obviously he's you can see him growing in the series, and he realizes this, and he then imparts that same understanding onto Bucky. And I think we we, we should give the writers more credit than they, than they've got really, because there's there's a lot of um, nuance in this that you just wouldn't normally get in a superhero series. And yes, I had my issues with it, but I really thought the writing uh, on some levels was really good. Um, I, I I really enjoyed the whole super soldier serum sort of theme through it um, and how it kind of revealed. For me, it was a real revelation that actually, although Steve Rogers is, uh, I would say, the ideal good guy, um, and this series really does... Um, mark that you know you, you can see from uh, John Walker how good uh, Steve was compared to John Walker and they, they did that intentionally uh, it created that sort of black and white between them you know the, the different styles of being a captain and I think it was really interesting to find out that even though Steve Rogers was a good guy and did a lot of good things his existence was still based on the back of some horrible 
treatment of black soldiers. Um, and in this series, this was based, this was inspired by real events, the Tuskegee mm. syphilis experiments. Um, and I thought that was really clever and really well done as well, really sensitively done. Um, and it was my favourite narrative through the story. We're going we're gonna to talk about the pacing in a second, but I, for me, there was lots going on in this series, but I really liked this this core theme of the shock of finding out that Steve Rogers was actually, again, not entirely perfect how he came to be from the past. And actually, in some respects, what difference was there between the American government and the German Nazis? You know, because you know that they would have done the same thing if they had the chance to. Um, and that's really interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, don't take sides because both sides are bad. It's almost like The Last Jedi, isn't it, again? And, um, and, and don't talk about that film. <laughs> <laughs> there is a tension, though, isn't it? It's started to yeah. become like the organisation behind it is a is the bad, is the problem, is the bad yeah. thing, which yeah. actually, you know, has been skirted over completely in other things. You don't think about whether it's 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 a positive organisation that's you know putting a captain america in place or whatever you don't think about that but you we we were forced to think about it a bit in the episode and i mean the near the nearest parallel i can think of have that that feeling that tension of the government they're you know they're running him out out on on a wagon to show the people that they've got a hero that the the parallel was was uh steve's first tour you know when he went out to the uh to, to the you know with, with all the singing um the entertainment people to all the different um um bases and things and doing the old tick you know the old was it war bonds scheme he was doing trying to sell war yeah, bonds, war to bonds. The masses. um yeah, you're so the that, war. but obviously this is now much more kind of uh this the whole military industrial complex you know complex sort of bringing everything out at once um in really interesting now um I think there's going to be a few points here. Let's talk about our concerns with the series. I know, Alex, you liked it more. So Alex is going to fight the good fight here. But I, <laughs> Mark and I, as you heard from the beginning of the podcast, we, we had we had a few concerns with this. Now, I, I, I'm going to have constructive criticism here, chaps, please. Um, <laughs> but let's not get mean about it. I really, I still really <laughs> enjoyed this. But I do think there were some concerns with the series. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts on this? So the big problem for me in the series was the villains. Um, not Walker, we'll go back onto him, but uh, but the Flag Smashers. Now, I do think, as you correctly said, John, about the fact that they had this whole thread storyline about a virus being released. I mean, I don't think they, like, I can see why Disney got rid of it because they're Disney, but I think it's harmed the series too much. I think... Everyone knows this isn't real life, you know. I think they should have kept it. Um, I think they had to be brave. That's another thing as well. I, some parts of the series frustrate me a little bit, being a bit too safe, but, but we'll get there. But um, So, yeah, the Flag Smashers, to me, are a bit un- underdeveloped. They don't really seem to be much of a threat. You don't really see them use their abilities that much, apart from a few scenes. Um they're just really underdeveloped and they don't, I can't remember the name of them. I I, I just about remember Carly's name because she's called Carly. But um, other than that, I just thought they was really underdeveloped and, and weren't really much of a threat, to be honest. Um, and I was just really frustrated with that because it just didn't work at all. And I, I think but, you're right. I think it's the motivation I, I had concerns with. Why were they doing this? Because... Oh, the motivation, I thought... Someone on right. Twitter said, someone on Twitter said something. Like, like, their, their biggest concern was 
the refugees were unhomed and they were being moved from border to border. But uh, someone made a good point on Twitter, which was, shortly if there's been a snap, half the world's houses are empty. Um, so when they came back, there should be there shouldn't be a housing issue because it's the same number of people that left. Uh, although that's not entirely accurate because you'll have five years of you know procreation in between. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think I think I, I struggle with the motivations. Or well, why were they doing yeah. what they were doing? I think their on. point was yeah. Sorry, no. So my interpretation, and you can feel like to correct me if you want, is like they would built a better. <clears throat> excuse me they'd built a better life in those five years between the snap and the blip and they'd like moved on, you know, like, and they got a better life for themselves. And then when everyone come back, everything that they built in those five years, their communities and their homes have all been taken away from them. And that's why they're fighting. I think is, is it, is their main point. There's a very, um, so like in Spider-Man far from home, they, um, they use this as quite a jokey way, but Aunt May says that when she come back, there were people in her house, as an example. But like that plays it for laughs. But this is a bit more serious. So I think the fact is that people are just missing because when they're blipped back, everyone just goes back to where they was at that time. You see, so you're gonna get strangers in your house. People who thought they were are like widowed or widowers. Suddenly they're coming back, and all that's really interesting. And and, and we saw some of that in One Division. And we get a bit more of it here as well. So I think their motivation was, well, we've built ourselves and we shouldn't lose all this just because you're back. Like, we should be equals, I think, is their motivation. I mean, the, the, the GRC... That my, yeah, that was my the, the, interpretation. The global... Was it the Global Relocation Council? The GRC, yeah, yeah, the GRC, yeah, GRC, right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of packaged as, as almost as a Gestapo organisation, wasn't it? It was very sort of... Uh, big black vans and military and packaging. I thought at first it was supposed to be like a UN, but it just well, yeah. yeah but I think well, I think what they yeah. were showing. I think what what uh, the flag smashers' concern was is there that an organisation that was meant to help, like the Red Cross or the UN, was starting to turn into just another uh, military organisation. You know, mm. and again, I think that's that's a, that's a nod towards uh, the general attitudes towards the police, especially in the states right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think. I agree with you, Mark. I think um, I think they didn't get enough time to, to develop their story. Was there anything else before we move on to to Alex that you, you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, I think the pacing, but I think that's all that we were going to talk about as well. I struggled a little. Like I thought, the first three episodes were really, really great, as I said at the opening, and then I just thought it dragged. Like for six episodes, considering that Wonder was nine, um, I thought it dragged a lot, unfortunately, as well, and. Like I think that's there's really a... interesting because I, I I enjoyed episodes four and five the most myself. Uh, they had for me they had the most emotional impact. I mean that mm. for me the standout ending scene with uh, John Walker's uh, bloodied shield. Yes, that is. Capture, yeah, that's right. In the whole world is watching. I th- and also in truth when which does lay down all the storyline of the the you know, the black black soldiers and so on. For me, I thought those two episodes for me were my favourite. I, I I think because I was a bit more immersed in in the storyline. I felt I, I became more involved than. Mm. To be fair, the the first three were very much, you know, almost spy films, weren't they? Sort of jumping around and actiony. If that makes sense. Yeah. Alex, yeah. How about you? Yeah. No. Completely. I think. Um, I think. I mean, you're right. I think the Flag Smashers plotline was the weakest part of it. Um, in, in my mind, uh, 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 I was agreed. Although, I feel like. 
we didn't really get and this is this perhaps this was intentional but we didn't really get a good understanding of the um what the grc was trying to accomplish by the vote it just seemed like it was raining back putting up walls when it didn't yeah. have when mm. it didn't have walls before um and then it just it just reinforces carly and the uh, flag smashers like one world one people um uh, mantra um and i think we kind of we we almost forgot that in certain bits like particularly when she blew up the the um uh the depot or whatever it was yeah with, with the people, with people in inside it, it. Yeah. it was kind of like oh, hang on that's not very one world one people is it was, uh, so yeah so i do think there were some real problems there um I did. I mean, that said, I, I enjoyed it. I just it, it felt like I had to work to kind of understand the motivations behind it and kind of keep up mm. with the plot a bit. There are a lot of stories in it, weren't there? Really? I yeah. mean, you've got mm. you've got the Flag Smasher storyline. You've got Black Captain America. You've got Sharon Carter's unveiling of who she is. Um, a lot of people guessed that she was a power broker a bit earlier. Um, oh, we, we've got to talk about that in a minute as well. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll do. We've got John Walker's sort of rise and fall, and then sort of semi rise again. Yeah. Um, we've got Bucky's, you know, redemption story, and I think they're all really good stories. And mm. I think there's just not enough episodes in a series to develop them all. When you look at, I mean, I've been watching for all mankind, um, and we'll go to that another time. And that's a ten episode series, and I have to say that's a not enough people talking about that series. It's a masterclass in development, writing, and character character development. Uh, and I think it's a shame that we only got six episodes, albeit the last episode was probably two, really, because they're about 50 minutes long normally, aren't they? Yeah. So it's almost a seven-episode series. And I, I just feel like, and I really enjoyed the series on the whole, I feel like the last episode was a real disappointment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I was very disappointed by that, that silly sort of Scrooge, Bill Murray's the camera-esque um, monologue from uh, Sam in front of the senator and the cameras about you know let's change the world and you know suddenly after his speech the UN do a U-turn and you know I just found that really it was almost like quick let's just get this over and done with it was a bit rushed yeah um, this is the last episode We've yeah the final episode and I think that was that was actually a weak bit although although yeah. it was although it ticked a lot of boxes it it was very very much like. No, this we're just uh, we're just doing the simple stuff now. We're not doing any of the the depth that we built up. We're we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to have Sam say the right thing. Um, yeah. Which mm. it, it did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It it, it still it was quite powerful. Um. But but I think it it could have been better. Let's get to the um the red, white, and blue elephant in the room, shall we? <laughs> now. I, I know when you look at someone like um, Captain, um, Captain Marvel, um, her suit in, in that film I thought was excellent. And that suit was actually based on um, Jamie McKelvey's design, who's a, a comic book artist that I'm a big fan of. He did The Wicked and Divine, among other things. And his he, he did um, a Captain Marvel ver- a ver- a variant cover, I think, for one of their comics in Marvel. And they used his suit that he designed for the film. And actually, he was invited to the premiere as well. I've met him a couple of times in comic shops. He, you know, that was great. And I think they, they've got so much talent they could draw on. And yet, Captain America, the new black Captain Sam's suit, I thought was awful. <laughs> Considering 
how reluctant he and Isaiah was. And we haven't talked enough about Isaiah Bradley, but we, yeah, we, we may not have time to. Him, yeah. Considering how emotionally developed they were and how they were reluctant to pick up the shield. And I, I think at one point Isaiah just does say, oh, you got into that suit then, did you? But God, it was awful. And it, it looked like it looked like a G.I. Joe action figure. Um, <laughs> and I could not. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And I'm sure, I'm sure, <laughs> I, 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 you know, Anthony Mackie loved wearing it. But they, the, the, the headpiece was just... All, I kept That's thinking, how's he turn thing. his head? It's like you know, when you watch Batman, when you watch Christian yeah. Bale playing Batman, so he must never turn his head left or right in those films. It just doesn't. It just doesn't strike me as a, as a, an iconic design. What were your feelings on the suit? Yeah, so I I personally I hated it, but then that's because I've not seen the comics, and so I, I looked at it and and I just don't think white leather works. Like I think that's a general rule, like in cars and on on suits, white leather. It's not it, really. It's, working. it's very Las Vegas. Um... Uh, you know, show with two white lines style isn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah and <laughs> I, mean? I, I think i can see it as, it yeah, needs rhinestones um, <laughs> yeah it is yes it's an evolution of the falcon suit so i kind of understand it yeah but it, and i think that's probably what would have been helpful is yes they made a huge unveil of it but really what would have been nice is if if you'd have kind of done a little bit of backstory or gone to Wakanda and had a little bit of a dialogue where it's like well it's got to be like this and no no it's got to be like you know get sure on the case kind yeah. Of, yeah exactly because the thing yeah. is that it just kind of felt planted whereas Look. actually there was a re- reasons behind it yeah. it was and they just needed to kind of say no no it's done this way because of this and but don't but Killmonger and and uh, T'Challa's suits were amazing and they also yeah. evoked that kind of the the uh, African culture. And I know, I know, the reason that he's in the red, white, and blue is because he is the he's American. He's he's, he's a, a, an African American, not yeah. an African. Yes, and that's right. So they had to celebrate the fact that he was his mix of African and American. But I do think they could have brought in a few more Wakanda elements because their style's pretty good. I was expecting because so the episode before, yeah, he got given that suitcase, didn't he, yeah. from Wakanda? Mm. And a lot of people were speculating what was inside, but there were wings on the outside. So I'm not, I've no idea what people were confused about that. But I, I was expecting a more of a chrome suit that maybe was completely made of vibranium and did cool things like Steppenwolf's outfit did in um, in Justice yeah. League. Mm. So I was, I, my imagination was really like, oh wow, it's going to be like all metallic <laughs> and bulletproof and cool. Because at the end of the day, I, you know, Sam has got to hold his own uh, uh, with people with superpowers. Yeah, I really thought the suit might be giving him more invulnerability, and it was just it just seemed like a evil Knievel with wings. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's a little reference there for people who are a little bit older, by the way. Mark, what do you think? Mark. So they get plus points for being comic accurate. So, and there we go. Like, and to be fair, like from twenty years ago when we had the first X Men film, when they was all wearing black, and we were like, "You can't do comic accurate comics, and uh, um, you can't do comic accurate costumes. It looks stupid." To where we are now, so they deserve definite plus points to for getting it comic accurate. The John, I think, hit it uh, as, as uh, hit the nail on the head, to be honest. I think it might be you, Alex, sorry. The prop from, so f- the suit is fine from feet up right until the stomach. Everything's fine. The problem is the top half. So his mask or where, you know, or the cow, whatever you want to call it, doesn't look, it looks awkward and there's too much white. That's bang on, right? It's too much white in it. At the front, it needs to be a little bit darker. So anything, 
Oh, from the bottom up, it looks really good. But the problem is the mask, I think. I'm actually looking at it now as well, we're talking. Bucky, Bucky's and, um, wearing a leather jacket and he still looks cooler. He's just wearing a leather yeah. jacket, you know. Like That's the problem. I like the suit, but the face Even John Walker's just... suits. Even John Walker's evil suit is better than that. You well, know, his, his, yeah. his agent suit. I think it was, you know, it's fairly complicated, but I just, it just doesn't quite look right up top for me. And yeah. I think they'll change it when the next, uh, when they're, they're doing Captain America 4. So I'm sure it'll get a redesign again. And I think they'll might scale it a bit more like John said, like in the Wakanda style and that sort of thing. I, I mean, know. and again, the big problem for me with Falcon's uh, costume anyway, is that he's got the wings, he's got everything, but then the top of his head is always like bare. So, so if anyone's was, has got a sniper, you can just shoot him in the head anyway. So <laughs> that's just that's 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 always bugged me about superhero outfits that like show like part of the head. Like there's a reason why Batman's got a cowl, all right, or or cat. I mean, do you think, mask. Mark? Do do you think if they'd given him a helmet in the shape of a falcon sort of beak and head, it would have looked all awesome, like a, like a sort of a Japanese Gundam suit? <laughs> but that's almost a bit too DC, isn't it? That would have been a bit DC. I, yeah, I, and maybe they're reluctant to do that. I to don't be know. fair, Sam's never like he's Not always audacious, like, is he? He's always looked like. Like, uh, the way he looks in this is the way he's always looked in the comics, to be fair. He's had right. different suits, but he's always had that mask the way he is. So if you had covers his his whole head, it would be a massive departure. You know, I, I guess you just got to send disbelief, um, uh, suspend your suspend disbelief, disbelief, obviously. Yeah. That. But that's always a big thing with me. We've, uh, with superheroes who don't have powers, but like... Um, but somehow I haven't got any. I like head protection. Sort of same thing with uh, with the ta- um, uh, with, uh, with Black Widow and Hawkeye. To be honest, like they could just get shot in the head really easily, but they don't. You know, because no head protection. But anyway, I digress. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the suit was great apart from the top bit. But yeah, but I'm sure they'll fix that. In the so, next so that's that's it in a nutshell. The suit was great apart from the top bit. Okay. Apart from the top, apart are. from the mask and the and, yeah. and too much white, but the rest of it is. Alex, uh, looks you've, you've great. given us your thoughts, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think it's. Yeah. yeah, I don't like it, but I yeah. just I think it's what I want to do is care about it, and at the moment I don't care about yeah. it. Yeah. It makes it's just a bit silly, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously <laughs> we've looked, we've we've really gone down deep into the story and things we've enjoyed. In terms of filmmaking, how did you feel about that in terms of the cinematography and, and, the, and the way it was presented? What were your thoughts on that? How do you want to go? What shall I... Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I I mean, I think it had, had highs and lows. The, there were some, some moments, particularly when um, you had uh, John Walker doing that killing, that it was just... Honestly, that gave me shivers because of how it was how it was done. Well, they, they it was the angle of the shot because yeah. it was a low mm. angle looking up at him. From you know, that's, yeah, you were that's doing that's it from, almost from the victim. You know, yeah. you were doing it like that. Mm. Um, no, no, I mean there were a few moments like that which really stood out to me. Um, not all of them. Like there were areas which were a bit meh. You know, um, some of the running around um, underground or in the building site. No, it could have been anywhere. It's probably an LA lot somewhere. But anyway. It just did that, they that had, wasn't great, but you have to remember with um Emily Van Camp who played Sharon Carter in this, she was also filming uh, another yeah. T V series uh called Resident. Uh, and so they were very limited. They had to juggle her filming schedule with um the other T V series and this one. Hmm. And so they were limited with locations and what they could film. 
Yeah. So actually, one easy way to film an action scene is just to go to a pile of um, containers. Because that could be anywhere in the world, couldn't it? Do you see? Yeah. So they could film that and say yeah. it was in Madripoor. So there, there, there were limitations, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think I think for me, um, you know, honestly, I think it was it was well done. It didn't feel like it was, they had scrimped it on on no. things. It, it was definitely you know, Marvel production value, right. isn't it? Yeah. Um, I loved the closing soundtrack at the end credits. I, I just, I, I mean, it was it was really really nice, and it had like a, a kind of feeling of a sort of um what's the word like late night detective show or something yeah then, then it then it added the like um strums of of the like this is a a superhero thing and you know i so i just yeah. i just really liked that and it just finished off the episodes really well yeah i have to take another listen to that now because i think uh, near the beginning of the series they used a song that was originally Captain America's theme, but it was kind of played in a different way. Yeah, that was for Walker's introduction. That's, That's right, right yeah. to kind of show that he was different. So there's some clever use of music there. Um, I mean, I did miss... Uh, one thing I liked about WandaVision was the way they used um, different songs at the end to reflect what was going on. And I, I think they can get away with that because of the nature of the yeah. show. But you have to you have to sort of match your mood. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think the framing of the series is very good. It was very high budget, which was what we, we were looking forward to. I like the fact that the series ended with a very clever uh, action scene with a helicopter and him and Sam communicating with the, the, the you know the politician that could fly a helicopter. That kind of book ended the opening. That was quite handy. That was good. <laughs> yeah, it was quite handy. But I mean, I mean, it's showing it, it, you, you've got to get a bit in of of the Falcon and his drone doing things, and you know. Yeah. Act, but it was nice how that final scene bookended the first scene in the series, which you mentioned, Mark, over the over the gullet, the valleys. You know, the yeah. the, 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 the retrieval scene. I thought that was interesting. I'm not sure if it was intentional, but it was quite clever. Um, any thoughts about cinematography or soundtrack or anything else about filmmaking, Mark? Well, I was just going to well. As you mentioned, I thought the opening scene in episode one was fantastic. So the way that was filmed and the way that was done, it looks absolutely fantastic. It reminded me a little bit in a way of, do you know, the um, there's a chase scene in, in Mandalorian second season. Uh, is it, it, it when he goes in the clouds and they're trying to... F- I think it's the two X-Wings are trying to find Yeah, he lands up on the planet with spider ice, ice, ice and spiders. Yeah, it sort of reminded me a little bit like that, yeah. the way it was done. I just thought the way that was done was... It's very Top Gun, wasn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. And it was just about Madripoor, and I just thought the cinematography in that episode was absolutely stunning. Well, I mean, yeah. you, it's, the, it's the production values. Of yeah, the sets and then the lighting of it was yeah. really well done. I liked it when they were in the bars and, and in rooms. It reminded me a lot of... Um, uh, there's a film where with Ryan Gosling, who um, and and the director of Drive, Nicholas Verne, something, and it's called Only God Forgives, and it does, and it's all very like stylized and like glossy, and and the way it was done, it reminded me of that. It was like of the Underworld, and I thought that it looked beautiful. I thought that, yeah, as well. and it, it could be, it could be kind of, You could also draw comparisons with uh, John Wick, couldn't you? That yes, aspect. exactly. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I thought all that looked really great as well. Um, and yeah, I yeah, no production values are very high. It felt like a film, so it didn't like it. It didn't feel like a TV series when you're watching it. You know, it like a it was mm. part of the Marvel MCU, like you know. So no, it was it it it, it was really good. Those particular uh, other two bits, I really loved in it. Yeah. Okay, and I think um, looking at our time, we might have to skip ahead here. We we have had a long discussion about about um, the actors, and I think overall, I think the the the, the quality of the actors in this series was excellent. Um, 
that's the thing about Marvel. They can they can get the actors, can't they? Because they, yeah, they, they're they, brilliant they at command. casting. Uh, we haven't mentioned much about um, Carl Umbley, who played Isaiah Bradley. I, I particularly, he was one of my favourite characters in this series because of the way he, he's just his acting ability. I mean, you think about the difference between him playing Isaiah Bradley, and he plays a much older man than himself. Mm-hmm. And then you think about his performance as uh, Martian Manhunter at the end of DC. Yes. Quite a quite a, um, it's a difference, different it? different. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was excellent. I really enjoyed that final scene with his statue in the in the museum as well. Yeah. I, you know, for That's me nice. for me he he was my favourite. Really was Carl Umbley. But um, very very briefly because I'd like to do a bit of speculation before we finish off. Um, was there any single standout character you really enjoyed, Alex? Um. Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, yeah, I think probably Sam held held it up really well, personally. So I think he, he obviously that was his role. He had to had to do that, but it just he, he was steady and, and and calm throughout it. Yeah, I mean, he was basically good Captain America material, wasn't he? Yeah, and and that's yeah. that's it. So I mean, I I know it's pretty obvious, but yeah, I think it just it really did hold the series up very well. How about you, Mark? I can't not be on this podcast and not talk about Wyatt Russell as John Walker, uh, who for me is just by far the most interesting and best character in this. He's the one that every, I always have an affinity for bad guys anyway, or the ones everyone hates. The actor actually got death threats after the second episode in real well, life. Well, he, you know, Mark, he, I mean, Marvel did ask him, like, you do realize you're, you're going to be hated for this. Yes, yeah. And, and, and yeah. um, Wyatt said, no, no, that this is an interesting role. And I, yeah. I, I relish the idea of portraying this character. You know, it was, yeah. it's a, most people like enjoy playing the villain, don't they? Let's be yes. Honest. It's, you know, without, I mean, obviously he wasn't a, a mustache twirling villain in this series, but he was no. definitely a. No, I agree. I, th- I I was very impressed with Wyatt Russell. Very impressed. Yeah. Um, he has been in other other films. So he's not. It's not. A, yeah, Outland. I think a new he's thing for him. But, stuff. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about him is, and again, I, I was talked about Steve and and the great symmetry is that is that Walker is the perfect soldier. Okay, so where Steve and and Sam are the perfect man or the perfect person, you know, mm. like. If you're going to war, as great as Steve is, don't get me wrong, you know, but like you want someone like Walker next to you. That is the perfect soldier. And that and that scene after um his partner dies, you know, and he kills um one of the flag smashers. Battle Battlestar, his partner. Yeah, Battlestar, sorry, for the name, yeah. Yeah. Like I was is a good moral question. Yeah, Lamar, sorry, yeah, thank you. There's a great moral question there, and I've you know, like what he did was obviously wrong, but um, Madame Hydra, I might get into her in the like in the predictions. You know, yeah. she says like no one like thinks that guy didn't deserve it or thinks you've done anything wrong, but you got filmed doing it. You know, you and that's caught. kind of yeah, you, you got, got caught, caught. Yeah. and that's kind of what oh, what an agent does or. He, is they're under the micro you don't see them and they do the dirty things that it's you don't ops, see. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know, if that was my best friend who just got murdered by someone, you know, and I you know, and I was there, would I take revenge? I don't know, maybe probably I would. I don't know, you know. I, you know, that's not excusing what he did. Obviously, because you're Captain America and you can't do that. He would never do that. Some would never do that. But a soldier in war probably would. And that's why I thought that was quite interesting. And and the great thing about him is that, like, he's a douche, but he's a douche who thinks he's doing the right thing. Like, Steve's a bit of a nerd, really. Steve is, 
is wholesome, but there's a bit of a nerdy side to him as well. He doesn't really get it, you know. It takes him forever to kiss, um, uh, like Sharon, Jackie. for example. Oh, yeah, Sharon, yeah, yeah. Sharon, like in Civil War, you know, like he finally, like, look, if if he does it, you know, and that end scene with Walker when he turns into US agent, he's like, I'm back, I'm back, you know, I'm like, back, baby. Well, yeah, well, you're not really. No, you're not. You're just gonna, and, and, and we'll talk about what he is. But that's what he thinks he is. And the difference, uh, Mark, the difference between um, Steve and John was that Steve was the little guy who hadn't known power, success, yes. who wasn't yes. power, and so he kept that with him when he became Captain America, and he kept his humility. Whereas John Walker was his decorated war hero, who who did see some distressing things in his life, and he just referenced that in the in the. Um, Hearing at the end, you know, you yeah. built me. This is why yes. you, why you know, he couldn't see, he could not see why he done anything wrong. No, he was trained um, for this. That's right. Yeah, he was trained. You know, exactly. you, this is not my fault. I am, I am, I am being. You know, this is this is uh, being made an example of here. And it's really interesting you say that, Mark, because pretty much that mirrors what um, White Russell has said himself about how he perceived the role. Mm. And actually, listening to him, um, I listened to him on the podcast. He. Um, he he convinced me. He made me feel more sympathetic to the character after hearing his mm. background and understanding of the character. Um, so yeah, I agree. It's, it's it's a really intriguing character, and we're going to see more of him, aren't we? As well. Yes. Speaking of which, yes, and that's my segue into the next section. Um, <laughs> what's going to happen next? Now, first of all, Mark, don't get carried away here. No, I don't. Th- I don't think Marvel are going to for the for the sake of the non comic viewers and the the families and people who are less invested in the comics. I don't think they're going to overcomplicate this storyline, although it's pretty complicated already in this series. I think they're going to go for the big, the big hits here in terms of what they can do next. What? So we'll start with, with Mark, because he knows more of his the comic knowledge. You're a bit more yeah. granular about this. What are your thoughts for season two? What do you think is going to, could they do next? Right. So there's two things. First of all, can we just talk about, before we get into that, can we just talk about Sharon? please, as the power broker and how that makes absolutely no sense. Well, hold on, hold on here. I think it was hilarious. Her walking out of the temple, the judiciary meeting, like she's still in the corridor on her phone going, well, now I'm an evil person. I've, well, I've got a, a, a way into yeah. the government now and you're all going to be able to pay me lots of money for all their secrets. Like with all these people walking past with their, you know, with their um, yeah. office suits on. She didn't even leave the building before she was going, Wahaha, you know, <laughs> like, that was moustache twirling almost, wasn't yeah. it, really? So that make that her as a power broker makes no sense to me for many, many reasons. Firstly, and and feel free to interject in here. I firstly, why does she do what she does in Madripoor if Alex, she's the power broker? On this? So yeah, she, I mean, yeah, you're right, but I think it's because that's that's the thing, isn't it? You kind of think, great, we got the the power broker. And 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 then you're like, well, hang on, were you the power broker all along? Then who was this person? Um, now it, you're right; it doesn't make a lot of sense. Also, and, okay. I, I never really so, felt like she was that um, bitter about it. Like, I, here's, I, I here's get her it. motivation. Here's her motivation for being this bitter, right? So I can't believe we're talking about Zemo, she, by the way. But there we go. So, well, <laughs> yeah. well, we'll talk about we can talk about we can talk about Zemo in a second. So yeah. she 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 helped. Uh, Captain America and his his gang during Civil War, she helped them do what they needed to do. Okay, now she was essentially she was then became an enemy of the state and had to run and hide. In the meantime, with all the events that happened at the end of Infinity War, 
those other people were pardoned and like everything's fine. Here's a Sokovia Accord, but everything's fine. Whereas Sharon wasn't, all right? She got a little kitty-kitty from her uncle because by, by the looks of things, with all the timelines, Captain America's probably her uncle anyway. But he, you don't see anything of him looking after her after all the problems, in the blip and everything else. He didn't even say hello to her. I think, um, here's the first theory, I think she's very, very, very bitter about it all. And she may be doing, she, the first, the first motiv- uh, motivation was she was doing all this, uh, like, almost like she's undercover to get a pardon, which is what we see in the, episode, in the series. But I think, I think she's so embittered, embittered by it all that she has just, she's had that same tipping point that um, John Walker had. All right? Or <laughs> there's a third theory here. And the third theory here is that Sharon Carter is actually a scroll. No. Oh, that's, that's a clever I, because one. Because we have yeah. got Secret Invasion coming, haven't we, as yeah, a series? That's, so, that's good. I, I don't so, and that to, makes everything else much more sense in the fact that she almost had superpowers when she was biffing them all up in the dock, in the yard with the barrels and things, mm. you, know, the, you know, the docking containers. So I don't know. That's that's one particular favourite fan theory that's doing the round. So yeah. just hold that thought and see what happens. I don't know. I think, yeah. I, like I said before, I think that's too complicated for, for vanilla Marvel fans, really. But mm. anyway, any other thoughts about that, Alex? No, I'm not going to comment on that. Honestly, I'll just, I'll just say a couple of things. Sorry, just for yeah. So I don't understand why she barrier broke her because she introduced him to the guy who's making the super soldier serum for her, and they killed that guy. Like, well, she wasn't with them, was she? She came down afterwards. But she's letting Zemo be in there with them. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Like if she's the power broker, why did she set up a meeting? She could just say, "No, I'm sorry, I can't get you in there." You know, or she would. Or if she doesn't want them to know she's the power broker, why doesn't she set them up so they get killed? She could have played her cards better. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah like, maybe. Like, her as the power broker to me makes no sense. My only hope is that she isn't the power broker and that actually she's a bit of a double agent at the moment. And I, and this goes into predictions that she's actually working for the US, really. So she's a double-double agent. And really, she's working either with Ross or working on the on the Thunderbolts. That's the only. Well, thing so, so you're saying about. that she was on the phone. She was on the phone to Madame Hydra at the end there. Is that what you're well, saying? I think it's either Madame Hydra or it will be Ross Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. So, the, shall I explain what the Thunderbolts are? Or yeah, he's the, he's the Red Hulk, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So the yeah. Thunderbolts so are kind of the Marvel version of the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah. So they're run by General Ross, who's played by William Hurt in the MCU. So there's a long and there's a. So there's a long series. So Thunderbolts are basically the Suicide Squad. So it's mainly comprised of villains from the Marvel Universe who go on missions. It is basically a rip-off of Suicide Squad, really, so Thunderbolts. But there is another section called Dark Avengers, and this is going a bit long, but I'll try and be quick as I can. So Secret Invasion, which John just talked about, is a settle, story... Settle in, folks. Settle in. Yeah, settle in. <laughs> I will be as quick as I'll I can, I promise. Yeah. So... There's a story called Secret Invasion in the comics, okay, which is what they're doing a TV series of. I'm not sure it's going to be exactly like this, but it was result through this big story. It resolved that a load of Earth's heroes have been replaced by uh, by scrolls, and the scrolls in the comics are normally evil, whereas in Captain Marvel they were flipped to being good. There are good and bad scrolls in the comics, but they're mainly bad. So there's a big massive fight between, and there's a big thing. 
of who's a scroll, who's not a scroll, you know, and Spider Woman turned out to be a scroll. Because they're shapeshifters, aren't they? Yes, well, they're shapeshifters, yeah, yeah, yeah. scrolls who we kept in yeah. Marvel. Yeah. So, so they can a, they they can embed themselves in society because they can shapeshift. Exactly, which right, you'll yeah, see okay. in, in that series. Hence, that they do. hence the name Secret Invasion. Indeed, yes. You're, right, okay, yeah, okay, you're yeah. on the ball. Uh, I've got, yeah. I've so, got that bit. Yeah. Okay. So it's worth a read if you want to read it. It's a really good series. So anyway, I'll be very, very quick. So there's a big battle at the end, and Norman Osborn, who is the Spider-Man villain, the Green Goblin, and is head of Oscorp, he's, he kills one of the lead scrolls, and he's declared a national hero. So he gains control of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he becomes new director of S.H.I.E.L.D. because Fury seems a bit of a failure. And Stark goes away. Stark is is presumed dead. There's a big thing about that. So basically, so Norman Osborn becomes uh, the head of Shield, and he creates a new Avengers, and they're called. It's called the Dark Avengers. He uses Stark's tech, becomes the Iron Patriot, which is the character that uh, Rhodey was in Iron Man three, as well. And then he leads a team of evil villains who are supposed to be uh, the Avengers, but they're called the Dark Avengers. So they're like, for, so for example, in the Avengers, you have Spider-Man. In the Dark Avengers, so you've, you've got, got Venom. So you've got, you've got two suicide squads, suicide squads now. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. The Thunderbolts are separate two... Dark Avengers. And yeah. do they do shifts or like, uh, like, do one do a night shift, one do the day shift? Yeah. yeah. And, they, and one clocks in and goes down the cafe for a break and the other ones come in or. Yeah. It's 24 or, or are, they, are, they, are, they, are, they at, are they at odds with each other? Are they, are they com- competing? Are they competing for different contracts with the government? I mean, this is a, this, there's so much to do here. You, you can take from this. <laughs> well, no one knows their secret Avengers or Dark Avengers. That, oh, I uh, that's right. idea. So I think a lot of that or aspects of that will come into Secret Invasion that's they're going to do Armor Wars as well. I think Emily Van Camp may well be in Armor Wars that they're going to start filming oh, this year Oh, well. I mean, we're down the rabbit hole now, aren't we? Yeah. Yes, which I won't talk about okay. Armor Wars now. That's fine. But So I think that there's a lot there. They're also doing an Ironheart series as well. Which is Riari Williams, so, who is Mark, new. But we, um, but we're going a bit off topic here. And oh, sorry, sorry, going. I'll stop talking so, now so, because my uh, so, I mean, sad knowledge of comics. Sorry, I mean, yeah, we're obviously let's, let's summarise. We're obviously going to see some more of Sharon Carter. We're going to, because yes. that's kind of alluded to. We're going to see more of the US agent and Madame Hydra, and potentially uh, Baron Zemo is going off to the raft, where I'm assuming some of the Thunderbolts are. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay, so so we're going to see some sort of and whether we, whether that's a TV series or a film, we don't know. No, because I'm at the back of my mind. I'm also aware that there's this new Doctor Strange film. There's also this new Loki series, which I don't know how they're going to link to the Loki. 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 Um, yeah. I think no. Sorry, Loki's my parents' dog's name. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, there's lots going on. I mean, will you be watching them for a start? Oh God, yes. Yeah, okay, absolutely. And um, do you think? Okay, money, money, money on this now. Do you think Sharon Carter's going to end up being good or bad? I think she will be good in the end. Okay, what about you, Alex? No, I don't know. I can't keep up. I just, just <laughs> is she good? Is she, I, I don't, I don't think she's going to stay bad because no. I, I think the thing is. If you're a villain for a series, you're going to get your comeuppance and then you're going to be kicked off. So they want to keep her a bit longer. They're going to have to do something else. Do you think Captain America, Steve Rogers, will come back to deal with this at any point? No, I don't think Steve Rogers will come back. Because I know Chris Evans has alluded to coming back. I I think he might be around for flashbacks and stuff, but I I can't see him for anything else. 
like there's okay. a campaign at the moment to get Tony Stark back to life, isn't there? Like, I saw that. Yeah, there's some some banner somewhere in there. Oh my like, goodness! Like <laughs> I love Downey Jr. Adore a, a Downey Jr. I don't think he wants to come back in the anymore. role. And I love I like Chris Evans. Both of them, I, I adore them. But I don't think they should. I I don't see the point of having things like Infinity War Endgame if you're going to get them back. All right, you can go to different universes and multiverses and maybe go and visit them before they died or before they went off and that. But I. I think they're done now. I think their arc is finished. And I don't, you know, maybe they have the coming over. Maybe Danny Jr. is the AI for Iron Heart or something like that. Maybe they'll bring back in cameos. That'd be quite but, funny. but I think they, I think they're done. And I think they need to move it on a bit more now. As, yeah. as much as I love them dearly, both. I think what we've learned from uh, the Snyder Cut is that you shouldn't listen to fans. Yeah. Well, now see i was on the snyder k episode so i'll just say now that i had loved the snyder cup but you do that i, that, I know right? i was baiting yes now i know <laughs> okay i think we're gonna round it up there boys yes. um i think that's again awesome points from both of you thank you so much for your uh thoughts uh, I've learned a lot this episode, especially from Mark and his yes. his ar- arcane knowledge of the comics. I do apologise um, for being a nerd, sorry, yes. Mark, now I don't have your Twitter handle here. What do you, oh, do you, would you like to share your Twitter handle? Or are I, you, uh, I do not do off? Twitter, I'm afraid. No, oh, that's, no. that's for the best. It's all right. You can yes. always, you can always um, talk to Mark through the um, uh, play, pause and turn uh, Twitter handle. So. Yes, true, please yeah, do. Yes, happy to answer any questions or anything like that. But that, I don't that personally is, use Twitter though. No, that 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 is at play pause turn. Um, and I'm I'm at John P R Evans. And Mark, you are sorry, Alex, you are at Alex at Hansford. Alex Hansford. Uh, and you can also go to our website, which is playpauseturn.show. Uh, and our podcast will appear there. But obviously, you can also search for play pause turn in the podcast uh, player of your choice. I understand we're on we're on Spotify. We're on TuneIn. We're on Amazon Music. Woo-hoo. I think. Pocket Casts. I think we're, all, we're, we're getting on. We're going to be on iTunes we'll very on soon. Very we're everywhere. Um, Banks, he's going to be doing um, a picture interpretation of our podcast <laughs> at some point as well. And there's going to be a cameo from our podcast in the next um, series of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we're everywhere, hopefully. We're working. Um, it's been great uh, chatting to you both. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been Play Paul's Turn. Uh, thank you for listening and good night chaps good night thanks a lot we enjoyed it <laughs>